Hey everyone, my name is Belt Sebastian, and on today's episode of Amber X, I'm here with Alex Hans. He is a University of Florida and Full Sail grad, the CEO of Foolies Clothing, and most importantly, or I would say most outstandingly, was featured in Gary Vee's book, Crushing It. So I have a huge, huge privilege of being able to have him today on this podcast to talk a little bit about his journey, about what it is that he did to get to the point of where he is now to be inspiring people at the level that he is. Alex, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, I uh, appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, for the people listening in, you know, feel free to call me Nemo. You know, Alex is my, my government name, but, you know, the, the homies <laughs> call me Nemo. So I'm already bringing you in a little bit deeper so y'all can get to know me a little bit better. All right, Nemo. So give us, how about you give us a little bit of an introduction then? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, where was the beginning? What are, where are you at now? You know, what's going on? Cool. So if you know me, I'm pretty much <laughs> a Miami native. So everything and anything you're getting from me is from <clears throat> the, the 305 streets. So uh, okay. The swag, the the you know being raised in the hood, you know added a little character <laughs> to me as a whole. Of course, um, being raised by Jamaican parents that added a lot of swag to me. You know, what I'm saying so, you know now I can not necessarily understand a new language, but being able to understand another culture and then bring it into American culture and then understanding Black American culture all adds to you know, saying this individual that many people see. And so for me, I've just kind of been blessed to kind of grow up in three universes, you know, being black, being Jamaican and black, and then being American and black. Because um, yeah. they're, all, they're all in their own identities to an extent. Of and, um, you know, taking a lot of uh, those things, those teachings, the lessons that, you know, my Jamaican parents would give me and then adapting it to what, you know, you may learn in the, the, the hood side of things and then figuring out, well, how do I survive? How do I move? How do I adapt? So knowing that, okay, well, some people, they get the, you know, I, I guess you can call it the uh, the urban dap, right? So you get the clasping of the hands, the patting of the back, you know, the, the pound. You know, some people get the handshake, you know, and, and knowing when to use those tools. And so <clears throat> for me growing up, it was all about adaptation, getting in any room and figuring out what's the language of the room and then using that to my advantage to make a sale, to make a connection, to uh, make an impact, to share my message, to receive a message, whatever that may be. So a lot of uh, my upbringing, you know, kind of alludes to, you know, the person I am now and that's kind of a, a, a brief snapshot, you know, saying raised by my mom and dad. Um, well, more so my mom. Um, my dad wasn't really a big figure in my life. My mom raised me for the most part. Um, she was a creative. She loved to draw. She loved to do her thing on the art side. And she was a, a hairdresser. She used to be a nurse, left that career, um, got into to hairdressing, cosmetology, used to design her own dresses. You know, unfortunately lost her to breast cancer. Uh, at that time, I ended up living with my pops. And he was a creative in a different way. He was a chef. And, you know, once again, he wasn't too much in my life in the beginning. When my mom passed away, he was kind of there. He eventually kind of left and did his thing. Uh, ended up staying with a 
family of about 10 plus people um, as well. So uh, a friend of the family ended up taking care of me. I call her my aunt. Her name's Cherry. And so I had to then, once again, take this adaptation of living with 10 plus people and survive. Right. Exactly. I got to know how to communicate with people. I got to know uh, whose side to take because tonight two people are mad at each other. So I need to move carefully because I might need, you know, my hair braided by one person tomorrow. I might need, you know, somebody to vent to on another side. So I got to be able to know how to walk and talk. And then you had older relatives, you had younger relatives. So, you know, I got to know how to interact with the old folk, talk to the younger folk. And and even in my own household where I was, you know, almost semi-adopted, it wasn't official, but I had to learn how to to survive before even leaving my house and going to high school or going to middle school, going to high school, you know, and everything else thereafter. So, you know, if if anything, I've just learned how to be a really great chameleon. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Hopefully that helped give some insight to the audience at hand. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, I love the fact that you constantly brought up that entrepreneurship. Well, you brought up that adaptation was a huge thing. And while entrepreneurship is really a huge part of it is just connections and adaptation, being able to be thrown into anything and find a way to grow out of that. What did you say? Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you started off as a rapper. Like, where did that where did that come up in your life? At what point? (laughs) Uh, So. (laughs) <laughs> you want the honest answer? You want the 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 fake answer? I give you whatever you want for your show. <laughs> hey, let's, let's get the honest answer. <laughs> so the honest answer was, um, I wanted girls, man. Like you know, what I'm saying like to to. So the first time I saw somebody rapping, it was this cat uh, with uh, locks in his hair, dreads in his hair. Okay. And he was standing up on a lunch table. It was outdoors. Yeah, it was outdoors. And I saw all these people gathered around this one guy. And there was another guy beating on the desktop, like a something like that, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I ran over thinking there was a fight. You know, in my younger days, whenever you see a crowd of people, you assume there's a fight. You want to see who's, who's, yeah, of course, who's catching the beat down or who's who's getting it. Who's getting it? So, you know, I ran over, like, oh, snap, there's a fight. What's going on? And then I get to this huddle, and it's cast on the table, and he's spitting. I don't remember what he said or what he was saying, but he's just going in, going in. And I'm seeing how he captivated everybody around him. The dudes are bopping their head. The shorties are smiling and, like, kind of like you can see them kind of rocking with him. And I'm like, oh, so that's <laughs> that's how you get, you know, because I wasn't a yeah. nerd, nerd per se. But I wasn't, I, I, I was just a nerd, not a nerd nerd, but I was a nerd, you know what I'm saying? So I was of like, course. huh, how do I, okay, well, that's how you do it, right? So I said, okay, cool, you know what? Let me rap. Now, precursor to that moment, I wrote poetry. Um, when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, I used to write a lot of poetry. So my poetry was a way to kind of get through my feelings. And I remember trying to kind of make up raps and it was kind of lame. It was like, I remember my first rap, it was like, I come in multiples of three. Alex is my name, but Jigga is who I actually be. I, I, I had a passion for Jay-Z and all that at the time. Um, and I don't know. I just was like, yeah, that's probably not for me. So <laughs> now fast forwarding to high school, 
And seeing that, I was like, oh, that's how you do it. You know, that's how you, you spit. That's how you ride a beat. Hmm, interesting. And so that started me, like, really wanting to do music. Okay. And then um, you can call him my brother-in-law um, or just really, like, another father figure for me. So his name's Tony. Um, he was a DJ. And he also lived in the same house um, that I was growing up in with Cherry and the extended family. So he's one of those 10-plus people. And he was a DJ, as I mentioned. And so I remember, um, I think I remember telling him I wanted to rap or something like that. And he was like, all right, dude, let's get it. And I was like, what? What do you mean, let's get it? And so he set up a microphone. We were recording on a, like a flash disc or, 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 or a, a floppy disc. But it was like a really big one. Like the floppy game wasn't even that advanced yet. So for those who don't know what a floppy disc, go look it up. So yeah. we recorded on a floppy disc. I think he had it connected to like an MPC or some kind of like machine where you either made beats or recorded into. And, you know, I, I, I saw all of this set up and, you know, I got to rap with him. You know, for the very first time, I was rapping on Jay-Z's The Watcher. Um, so if you don't know what that song is, go back and listen to it. Amazing song. Um, but you know, those were those beginning elements and he would also sit me down and teach me the game. So he didn't want me to just rap. He was like, cool, let me spin this record for you. And so I was watching him spin records and I remember him holding up a red record and it was a little girl on it and it had the name Manny on it. I had no context of what it was. So he puts the record on the vinyl, puts the needle down. You kind of hear this, you know, that's kind of that buildup. And it was like, it's a hard knock life for us. It's a hard knock life for us. Stay to treat it. We get kicked. Stay to kisses. We get kicked. I was like, oh, that's that Jay-Z. Because Jay-Z <laughs> sampled that song. And he was yeah. like, no, that's not Jay-Z. He's like, that's Annie. Annie's a play. Annie's a movie. Boom. And everything was, he would let me hear something and tell me where it really stemmed from. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, this is a sample. And this is what they do. And so he really like made me say, okay, if I do rap, if I want to do this for real, I also need to know what's behind it and what I'm doing and not just be on the microphone, just rapping over instrumentals haphazardly or with no context behind it. Know what you're doing, know what you're listening to because it adds a little bit more uh, flavor to when and why and how you're doing the way you're doing things. And maybe you could even toss in examples that maybe people know from the movie or something like that. But if you're, you know, really a, a, a connoisseur of entertainment, cause I feel like rap is verbal entertainment. So if you're really a connoisseur of entertainment, you can hear that and say, Oh, I, you, 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 you hit a line. I saw what you did there. You took that from the actual movie because you rapped on a sample. Ah, and maybe the average person wouldn't get it. But then that other person who's really that connoisseur of entertainment heard it and was like, I respect this guy even deeper. So that's what got me into rapping the poetry to the watching the guy freestyle to working with my brother, Tony. And it kind of just formed into you know, me getting into high school and finding like a band of merry men, if you will. Yeah. And we would rap together in our dorm room closets and freestyle. And we would uh, upload, uh, what was the, I think the website was called SoundClick at the time. It was so primitive and so trash, but it was epic for 
you know, the 2000s, you know, it was 2005, course, yeah. 2006. So it was so amazing. And my boy would make beats and we had so much fun. And, you know, I just kind of what it, it was just another hobby of things to do. Well, that's cool. So I know that the whole rapping game was kind of where everything started, but I know now that you're selling T-shirts. So I know that selling T-shirts probably isn't the number one way to get girls. So I, I think the... <laughs> I think the agenda shifted, but all jokes aside, like what was the shift then from rapping in college to the idea of selling t-shirts? Like where did that come in? Well, the beauty of the t-shirt and apparel game was that um, when I started rapping in college, I connected with a young guy. His name is Billy Kennedy. Um, I call him my brother of another mother and skin color, this white guy. Um, And uh, he knew I rap. He knew I freestyled. And um, I reached out to him one day and I was like, hey, man, I know you have recording gear and equipment. I would love to, like, work on a mixtape or something with you. Um, I think I might have done another mixtape prior to um, called Fish Food for Thought, me playing off the Nemo thing. And, um, you know, I was like, "Okay, I would love to record with you. Cool. So we got together, started working on projects together, started recording. Um, And I was like, man, like how do rappers get big? So at the time when Google was just kind of kicking up, I Googled how do rappers get famous? What are rappers doing, you know, to get big or whatever? So I found this article that said uh, pretty much in summary, rappers have identities for their audiences. So Lady Gaga or just artists in general. So Lady Gaga calls her fans the little monsters. Um, You know, think of any artist, they'll have an identity for their fan base. Or they have certain sounds or certain signatures. So Big Sean would always say, I do it. Uh, Lil Wayne would always, um, you know, you'd hear a lighter flicker every time his verse would begin. So you kind of knew it was Lil Wayne. Or he always played off of variations of his name. Or, you know, going even deeper, everyone had a rap click, right? So you had No Limit. You know, you had uh, Cash Money. You had all these different groups. And all of this stuff was branding. And they had to identify their brand with the audience and make the audience feel like this was their personal brand. So I said, okay, well, what could I do for me that could give an audience life? And so me and my boy, we were in the studio, really in his house, in his bedroom. And we were like, man, this is so foolish. Because we were college students. And like, you know, we were, I'm an applied physiology and kinesiology graduate from the University of Florida. Um, Okay. And he was a journalism major. And so, like, we had no business rapping, no business being in studios or our own, you know, his bedroom, like, eating ramen every night, working on mixtapes and all stuff. None of that was in the plan. But we're like, man, this is so foolish, so silly of us to do this. Man, we some foolies. And I was like, I kind of like that. That's okay, where it came from. Cool. Right. That's where it came from. And so, on every track, I would start off saying, foolies. Or foolies, it's the movement. You know, I had to kind of I haven't said it in a long time. <laughs> I had to get it right. So it was like foolies, it's the movement. And that was how I would start, you know, exactly. a lot of my records, or I would just yell out foolies, you know, on the track. And then I would notice when I put out, you know, certain projects or uh singles or freestyles and mixtapes, that people around my around the University of Florida would be like, Foolies, what up? And I was like, huh. Okay, 
Well, rappers have clothing lines, right? Well, yeah. Why not put it on a shirt? So I put it on my uh, a shirt, a t-shirt, and I got to open up for Big Crit and Currency, um, which are, you know, some people know those rappers, some people don't, it's all good. Um, but I got to open up for those guys, and that was the first time I ever wore, like, a fully shirt. And I started, like, seeing, like, seeing people would be like, oh, I want a shirt, I want a shirt. So I would put people in the shirt, take them out of the shirt. You know, I'd take a picture, take them out of the shirt. Put people in the shirt, take a photo of them, take them out of the shirt. And I was like, going back to the, that studio moment where we came up with it, it was like, man, we're so foolish. We're foolish enough to trace our dreams, no matter how foolish or crazy it may seem. And that's the yeah. mission, you know, saying the foolies. Let's foolishly go after whatever it is that's on our heart. Doesn't matter if people like it. Doesn't matter if people love it. It's about how we feel. You know, we we want to go after this. It's not about anybody else other than ourselves. And if they call us crazy, that's cool. I'll, I'll be a fool all by myself until I change the world. You know, and those are a lot of the kind of essences around it. But that whole chasing your dream, no matter how foolish it seems, was kind of that mission statement. And that's what kind of erupted into, okay, well, let's do shirts. Let's impact people. Uh, rapping and freestyling and artistry, like all that stuff inspires people. So why not? Exactly. And I mean, I know that your shirts, they've gone past the rap game. I know that you have had, you know, I remember reading in Crushing It that there was something with Oprah and there was like a group of kids and they were wearing your shirts as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so that was a feature that happened for us um, back in 2016. Yeah. And um, it was really cool because um, <laughs> what had happened was <laughs> so what happened was um, we put out a graphic years ago uh, that was highlighting, you know, dope black women in Hollywood. Yes. And you know, our whole purpose and goal was to, you know, as I love doing from the bottom of my heart. And I really think it's thanks to, you know, me being raised by a black woman and loving my mom and the whole nine was, you know, let me find my way to honor you know, black women. And so I saw two speeches, one from Viola Davis and one from Regina King. And they, they floored me. They had me in tears, like crying. And I was like, man, what could I do for these women who I think it was their first time winning Emmys. And it was like so emotional and so heartfelt. And I was like, gosh, man, like I'm just a kid in my room. Like, you know, still living in my 4-4 apartment. Like, what the hell could I do for these women to honor this moment of just dynamic, just it's what to do? And so I was like, all right, I'll just put just a blanket comp statement on a black and white graphic. No shirt, no nothing. So I put a few things. It was like, be strong like Regina, uh, be first like Taraji. And I don't think I had every phrasing on there. I think I had Lee like Ava, but everything wasn't on there. And so I had maybe about six names, seven names. I don't remember fully. I know I didn't have Lupita on there, and I know I didn't have Queen Latifah on there. I didn't have Angela. And I don't think I had... Yeah, I think that was it. And so I posted that graphic, went into my full-time job. Uh, nine-ish is when I kind of clocked in. 10-ish, 10.30-ish, 11-ish, I'm getting this vibration to my phone. It's buzzing. It's going off. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, I hope somebody didn't add me to some lame Facebook group. What's going on? They're just like a Facebook uh, chat, you know, a mass message, somebody spamming me. So I go yeah. to my page, 
I see, you know, 40, 50 shares. People comment, like, oh, this is dope, this is dope. Is this your shirt? This is your shirt. I'm like, nah, this ain't no shirt. You know, this is just me kind of getting my, you know, feelings off. You know, I want to honor these women. Cool. Then a lady commented. Her name was Levia Jai. If anybody knows Levia Jai, she's like the black woman extraordinaire when it comes to content creation, social media. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's dynamic. She's a beast. And so I saw her comment and she said, hey, Nemo, is this yours? And I was like, wait, is that, you know, for me, I knew who it was. Maybe uh, others did. I was like, yeah. wait, what? You know, cool. Because I didn't know that she had shared the graphic. And so she reaches out to me. She says, you need to get your coins. Uh, I don't know if you know about this site called Teespring. You need to get this shirt. You need to get these words on a shirt. You need to throw these girls on here, Queen Latifah, Viola, uh, Angela, Bassett. You know, you here, do this, do this, do that. Lupita, boom, she got everything together or kind of like got me together. Her and my COO, Kim, kind of put the rest of the shirt together because I was at work. And then she allowed us to share the link in her page or, you know, on the on the original post. And that was the beginning. But kind of fast forwarding to 2017 of the next year, yeah. Um, this happened in like October 2016, 2017. We get a call, email, excuse me, from Essence saying we want to use your shirts, and that's what led to it being ended, ended up in this event that I didn't know happened at all called Black Women in Hollywood. So I didn't even know there was this whole event for dope Black women. So they wanted the shirts to use for an all female gospel choir. Um, we had to like get somebody to print the shirts, overnight the shirts to them, um, pray they got it on time. They ended up airing it on own network um, with uh, Essence being kind of the big sponsor. Um, Shonda Rhimes retweeted it. She was also one of the girls on the shirt. Um, one of the girls who was wearing the shirt, her mom is a celebrity um, named Erica Campbell. So her mom was posting pictures of her daughter on her page all night long. But wow. People were like, yo, where'd you get that shirt? Blah, blah, blah. So that was like product placement. So that kept, you know, people were tagging me like, that's my friend's shirt. That's my friend Nemo. Go to his page at Foolies, at Foolies. So that got me a buzz. And then, you know, kind of even transitioning to 2018 is when, um, you know, when everybody got word that I got featured in Gary V's Crushing It. But if it wasn't for, you know, me saying, trust your gut, put this out, that turning into a shirt that just me saying I want to impact, you know, place my impact and show me I, my appreciation for these women. All of this stuff wouldn't have transpired into where I am, you know, now. Now, this doesn't mean I'm, I'm in mansions and Benzes living life stupendous. I ain't I ain't winning, winning just yet, but I'm making an impact and I'm doing something in addition to my full time and I do photography and videography, graphic design. So I do audio engineering. Like I'm a, I'm just a man that is filled with ideas and passions and creative juices. And I'm not going to stop doing things to, to work that out or to get these feelings off my chest. All right. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's really, really impressive. The fact that sticking with your gut got you to that place. And like, I know that you are, you're featured in Gary B's book. Mm -hmm. And so how did sticking with your gut kind of get you to that point? Because that's really awesome. And I want to go more into your, you know, the success of the Foolies 
in a bit, but can you just give us a little bit of insight about like how was it getting onto Gary Vee's book? <laughs> um, so that was uh, that was powerful for me because you know Gary Vee is you know as many look up to him. Um, you know, I read a book of his called Crushing Crush It. Excuse me, Crush It. Yeah, the first um, one, one of yeah. the first ones. I read it back in 2015. Um, I messaged him. Because uh, I watched a video of his, and he said, if you read Crush It and it impacted you, let me know. And so I sent him an email 2016 about, hey, you know, your book impacted me. You know, your book more so reminded me of who I should be. Your book reminded me of the giver that I am. Your book reminded me that I need to to help people and use my whatever it is to impact others. Your book reminded me of that. And your book reminded me that I wasn't crazy. And so I sent him an email 2016 and his team interviewed me 2017 on June 28th. Now, would you know why June 28th is significant? No. Why is it? June 28th is my birthday. And so they interviewed me on June 28th. It was my 30th birthday. And as I'm taking this call to be interviewed about this book, I am in New Orleans. I am okay. in New Orleans. <clears throat> my friends have funded me, like given me money to be able to fly to Essence Fest, wow. which is Essence's festival. So my friends funded me to get to New Orleans. It's my 30th birthday. I'm taking this call. And they planned this months before the call. They're like, hey, uh, we're only free June 28th to do your interview. Is that okay? And I'm like, hell yeah. You know, not <laughs> not to them, but just in my head. I'm like, ooh, I love how that how that's fallen into place. And so I'm in New Orleans. I just hopped out of an Uber where I told a lady <laughs> I was driving with because she said her son was an entrepreneur. So I gave her uh, the list of for the book Crush It, which is funny. Now I'm in standing in a hostel because I don't know where I'm going to stay. I didn't even have a place to stay when I got to New Orleans. I just was going to figure it out when I get there. Luckily, I ended up finding a frat brother uh, that I could crash with. But I was in a hostel ready to check in or figure out if this is where I'm going to crash for the night. So I'm literally taking this interview call in the lobby of a hostel. Pouring wow. my heart out to the, you know, to Gary V's writer and team or whoever the young lady was that I was talking to, you know, about my mission and, you know, rapping and helping others and, you know, being so foolish and tracing my dreams and, you know, my me wanting to just just inspire the masses and all this stuff on my 30th in a hostel in New Orleans where my friends funded a trip. And it was a very... um kind of like outer body, you know, experience because it's like, yo, Nemo, like if you get featured in this book, you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. You you don't know where you're going to go. You don't know what's, what's going to amount to this. You don't know who you're going to impact. Not even on the, like, you're going to benefit monetarily. You're going to become a millionaire. None of that. You just don't know who you're going to touch and who you're going to rock in a positive way. But after I got that feature, you know, after I got interviewed for the book, I couldn't like I couldn't clap my hands and be like, ah, I won. No, because now they have to sift through if this is even worthy. 
right? Like just because yes. I got an interview doesn't mean I got featured. There's that's a lot it. of things that's happened. I've I I had a TV interview the day before that never aired. TV interview. It was through uh, like Sling Network and. This lady sat me down and she, you know, she believed in me and she wanted to get this off. It never aired. Right. So I'm hopping into this interview from yesterday's disappointment. And I haven't I've never told anybody about that part of the story about having a TV interview the day day before before. that never aired. Granted, it was going to be on Sling. Sling is like a. Uh, it's like a you know a Netflix of sorts, and not everybody yeah. has Sling. So if it would have dropped, I would have still been thankful. But it never dropped. Never saw it. Didn't know what happened to it. Maybe it aired. Maybe I missed it. Nobody knows. Sat down, did a whole hour and a half interview. Was on a set, lighting, cameras, doing multiple cues, takes, the whole nine. Nothing happened. So after that interview, I was hyped. But I'm like, I'm not about to get my hopes up two days in a row. I understand. What? You know, so I just enjoyed Essence Fest. I tried to meet as many people on the Essence team as I could. And I wore my shirt that got featured. And I was like, look, I just want to thank y'all. Like, I came to this event to thank y'all for featuring me. Like, <clears throat> this meant the world to me. It, it confirmed, you know, saying things that I said nine years ago before starting a brand about how I wanted to focus on black women, how I wanted to highlight black women and I wanted to do something for the culture. And people was like, no, don't do it. You're going to pigeonhole yourself. You're going to set yourself up for failure. But I just felt something in my gut that said, focus on black women. And since this journey of foolies, I've been told on many occasions by investors, people who have made it successfully, the riches are in the niches. So you need to niche down, focus on an audience, and cater to that audience. Don't worry about nobody else. Nobody else is important. But it's not saying that nobody else is important as far as like their worth and all that stuff. Just focus on your audience. And when you get that audience in love with your brand, they're going to spread your message to all the other people who will get touched by it as well. So you don't have to worry about talking to a million people. Talk to eight to 10 to a hundred specific people, you know what I'm saying? So my character of a woman for my brand is black woman, journalism major, 24 to 28 years old. You know, she's pursuing her master's, you know, she graduated from uh, HBCU, got her master's from a PWI. Like she watches, you know, own network. She goes to Essence Fest. Like there's a whole makeup of who she is. And so that's where I put my focus and my energy. And I just, I let go of all these other thoughts of people saying, focus on everybody. White people buy and they're not going to, you know, black people not going to support you. All that stuff was lies. All that stuff was false. If it wasn't for black women, I would be nothing. This brand would be nothing. I wouldn't have gotten as far as I've gotten to. When the brand went viral, it was black women buying. When I got the email from Essence Fest, it was a black woman who emailed me. When the first person shared just a graphic, it was a black woman who, you know, African woman, still a person of color. It was a black person that shared it. Everything that has been built via Foolies has been on the backs of black women. And so I would be silly 
to even try to market to anyone else. And people don't understand that African-Americans have about a trillion dollars of buying power. So everybody can miss me with the, you know, sell to everybody. No, that is your first class ticket to failure. And so oh, I just yeah. started focusing on my niche. And that's that's where I kept that energy. So all this stuff with Gary Vee and all this stuff, thank you, black women. Because if it wasn't for y'all, the feature, the Gary Vee stuff, the Essence stuff, none of it would have even occurred. That's 100% true. And I'm, I'm glad at the fact that you're really able to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm really glad that you're able to like get that and understand that, hey, it was through black women, it was through working with these you know, figures of these really important figures, people just throughout, throughout the whole classification of being a black and being a woman and how both of those came together in building what it is that you're doing and building this brand, right? You had the whole Foolies brand from the beginning and now you're able to channel that through black women, channel that through what it is that they're doing, through their power, through what through the message that they put out into the society and you're able to mm-hmm. bring their message up as well. And, you know, I really, I really like the fact that, you know, you pay a whole bunch of homage to that, you know? I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, I know that you're interested in a whole bunch of things. I know you're interested in audio engineering, stage production, graphic design, rapping, f- photography, videography. I mean, you're basically going super, you're, you're like me, basically. We love doing a whole bunch of things. <laughs> You know, and I know that right now you've been working really steadily. And of course, we can say that you've achieved a good amount. You've achieved a pretty, you've achieved success. Mm-hmm. You know, you've gotten to the point of recognition. And, you know, and it's really exciting that I'm able to be talking to you at this point where I know you're successful and I know without a doubt that you're going to be even more successful. But just between this conversation right now, where do you personally see yourself in a couple of years? Uh, and mansions and benzes living life stupendous. <laughs> um, but real talk, uh, a mansion would be cool, but I don't necessarily need to mention uh, a, a paid off home would be nice. Um, if anything, so if I could have a, a paid off home, that would be awesome. Um, but where do I see myself? Um, you know, God willing, I would love to a few, two things. One, I would just love to see a, a Foolies headquarters. Not sure if that'll be in Orlando or New York or Atlanta, probably Atlanta, somewhere very blackety black. <laughs> and, um, you know, a Foolies headquarters where like 85 to 90% of my team and staff is black women or women of color or, you know, or just people who are minority based, you know what I'm saying? And I'm okay with that. And then, um, also, I would love to be able to, you know, have built up something so dope and so dynamic with Foolies that I'm able to um, also fund. And this is another passion of mine that I really want to um, get into. But I would want to be able to fund um, black movies, black film, black content, black media. Um, the last couple of months, you know, Foolies has also become somewhat of an agency. And so... You know, we serve, you know, black women and women of color and helping them build their brands, you know, and I'm doing that very underground, you know, saying I'm not that's not something I'm posting to my page. It's the offline hustler, you know, aspect of Foolies and, you know, just something that I just thought that was important for me 
to be able to, you know, okay, cool. I want to help women of color. Let me let me dig in even more and help them even more. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by helping them market. You know, I would watch black women get off stages at conferences and shows. They got nobody doing their photography, nobody doing their videography, nobody capturing their content like how we watch Gary Vee. You know, saying there's nobody doing that for black women. So I said, you know what? I'll do it. And, you know, that's just another like root of passion, you know, saying that I am in. And I would love to be at a point where, you know, maybe Foolies is a, a black woman CEO incubator and we're training up, you know, dope black women and women of color to go from like, you know, from housekeeping to CEO, you know, saying and we're, you know, this is a course that, you know, we've scouted out the 10 or 15 dope, you know, women across the globe who have the potential to be in this program and we're training them up or like I said, funding, you know, black content. So from everything from black YouTube creators to black movie makers, if Ava DuVernay or one of my homies who I've graduated from Full Sail with who are like, look, man, I want to do a black Star Wars or a black Star Trek or a black sci-fi joint. I got this amazing script I wrote. I could look at him and be like, how does a quarter million sound? Can we get started? You know, and so that's where, you know, I'm hoping, you know, saying to get things to. I don't know when that's going to happen. You know, once again, God willing, you know, saying that it would be a blessing to to be on my Tyler Perry flow. You know, saying I I see what Tyler Perry has done with his studio in Atlanta. And what he's done is a dream of mine. Being able to do that, he's, he's already into my dream. And so I'm like, I got to be next up then. If that's the case, you know, I'm sure it's, it's been done. You know, there's other entrepreneurs. Master P has produced movies over the years. There's a lot of other, you know, big uh, entrepreneurs and directors and, you know, all these dope people. But I want to I wanna land in a headquarters in a turf that's this place where, like, you come here to see your people. And you come here to see a positive, uplifting image of your people. And that's yeah. just what it is. That's really awesome. That's like extremely awesome. And, you know, I already said this, but I really want to highlight it. Like I do strongly have faith and I'm really excited to see where this is going because I just know that that's going to be a really awesome, really huge impact to everyone that's involved with that and everyone who gets to be a part of that huge experience. Hey, and man, I, guess, I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. And, and I guess the last thing I'd like to ask you is what is one big piece of advice that you tell everyone? One big piece of advice. Um, uh, check it. Uh, uh, no matter what, just trust your gut. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, trust your gut. I mean, I think um, we don't listen to our, our gut enough. You know, I think I, uh, I wish I remember the Facebook post. I just saw it. It was like, if you feel it in your chest, that's fear. If you feel it in your stomach, that's your gut. And your gut is saying, do it. And I was like, that's pretty powerful because, <clears throat> you know, we don't think about where we store fear. And we don't think about where fear targets. If it's something that you know you should do, or like when you feel like something might be wrong. We have this all happen to us all the time. It's like, man, something say, something, something saying, don't get in that car today. And then you don't get in your car and something happens where on that same route, there's this huge uh, 18-wheeler that flipped over. And that was your route. Something in your stomach. Your gut said, ah, 
I don't know about this one. And so you didn't go to that party. You didn't go to that party. Something happened. Somebody got hurt. You know, maybe just the club shut down. It would have wasted your night. Might not even be something like horrible, but just like you would have drove an hour and a half, two hours, wasted your gas to a club that wasn't even going to be open. You know, so whatever that gut is telling you, trust that. Know that, you know, that gift, that thing on your heart and your soul. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to be going after. Everything else is a plus. I never, I never wanted to, and I repeat, I repeat, I repeat, I never wanted to sell t-shirts. Hey, everybody, I didn't grow up. Ah, came out my mom's womb. First thing I started doing was knitting apparel. Like, no, like I never wanted to be a t-shirt designer. I was supposed to be a physical therapist. I left physical, I left sports medicine in that industry to go be in the entertainment, media, arts, technology-based fields. So that's where the audio and the graphics and the photography and all that stuff. Like, I never asked for T-shirts, okay? The vehicle was presented. I took it. I ran with it. I saw how I could use it for my purpose, which is inspiring people to live out their dreams no matter how foolish it seems. If I didn't have a T-shirt, I would be doing foolies in a different way. It would be a different ministry being used in a different context. It would be me rapping or me just talking to my friends or just encouraging them to live out their goals and dreams, period. It doesn't matter what it looked like. The vehicle-wise, once again, was presented, so I stepped into it. Had I not listened to my gut, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't even be having this conversation. I'm saying here as on earth, but I wouldn't be in this conversation where somebody wants to sit down with me for almost an hour to hear me talk about how to change the world or how to make an impact or how to start your business. Like this conversation wouldn't even be relevant. This is how this me trusting my gut has allowed me opportunities, connections and, and favor, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm mm. now blessed to be in rooms and spaces that I'm not supposed to be in. And come March, we're going to have a book out and it's called Fully's Approved. And it's all okay. about how to build your foolish dream with zero in your pocket. Had I not done any of this stuff, there would be no book to tell people about my life and how they can do it and how they can follow the mission as well on their own. I want to give them the steps, the gems, the tips, because I hear a lot of tips being shared, but only a few people are actually saying something. Everyone else is just copying everyone else. You know what I'm saying? So I'm tired of that flavor of surround yourself with, you know, if I... <clears throat> You're the five best people you're around. You're work harder, like, you know, grind. Like, those things are cool. But I appreciate people like Gary Vee and Tom Bilyeu and, you know, people like Shameless Maya and all these other people that I follow who said, no, let me teach you how to YouTube. Let me teach you how to use Instagram. Let me teach you how to use Facebook ads. Let me teach you how to do this. Let me teach you how to do this. Let me teach you. And if I teach you, Now you can see where the work hard, grind, surround yourself with the right people makes sense. It's not bad advice, but I think people have just been leaning to that as a catch-all and hope that people just know what work hard is. My work hard, stay up to 2 a.m. in the morning. My homies work hard is no. Get all your work done before 9 p.m. Get your rest. Everybody looks at things differently. So I can't, you know, what I wanted to do you know, with this book and me writing this book is another trusting your gut moment because I was like, <clears throat> people have told me to do this for years. And I was like, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I've written books before, 
But I kind of promoted it, kind of didn't, just kind of let it fall by the wayside. But this one, I was like, I got to do this one. I got to talk about it. I got to get it out there. You know, I'm in someone else's book and I don't have my own. That's blasphemy. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Like, (laughs) you're in a book telling other people to be great, do this, change the world, be foolish. And then you're scared to put out your own? Nah. Yeah. And so that gut, trust it. It never lies. We lie to ourselves. Your gut doesn't. Gut never lies. You know what? I really appreciate that. I love that whole speech about trusting your gut. There's a whole bunch of really beautiful gems in there. And it's 100% true. Trusting your gut is probably the number one thing that makes the difference between someone who ends up being successful in what it is that they're going to do and someone who's too scared to become successful. You know, I think everyone has a great chance of becoming successful, but just being able to say, hey, I know I can do it, that huge level of trust in self and pushing yourself past those boundaries that were always there, but you were always too afraid to go up against, it's all comes down to a matter of trusting your gut. Yeah. Um, There's a phrase. uh, They're they're a kid YouTube group. They're growing up and becoming adults now, but their name is uh, uh, Rans and Niana. Let me make sure I'm saying this right. And they have a song. Um, It's very corny, but it's, it's, it's truth. It's called, um, I think I can do it. Hold on. Let me look it up. Yeah, it's called You Can Do It. And the, okay. line, the line is simple. Like They say, if I can do it, then you can do it too. If I can do it, then you can do it too. And that's like, like I said, if you listen to it, it sounds like a kid's bop. You're like, Nemo ain't no swag here. You know, I enjoy it. You know, I think the two... They're YouTubers, they're kid YouTubers, and they've been growing up with YouTube, I guess. Um, and they've been dancing, performing. They travel the globe. They have you know pe- millions of people following their brand. They're not even 18 yet. But they trusted their gut. And they got on YouTube, and they started creating, even though it's saturated and all these other things that people love to throw at us. Don't listen to them. They said, if I can do it, you can do it too. These two kids, they just want to inspire people. And if you listen to this episode... If you cut me and you cut you, we both going to bleed. Ain't nothing different. You know, maybe it may take you longer if you fatter or slimmer, but yeah. we both, both going to bleed. So of that course, means yeah. I, ain't, I ain't no different from anyone listening to it. So if you're listening to this, you got through this whole episode and you weren't like a lazy person and turned it off or whatever because you were like, oh, this is too much. And you really sat through an hour. You better go do something after listening to this episode. Of course, yeah. Please, for those of you listening, make sure you get doing. That's the whole point of these interviews, of these podcasts that I do. I love bringing people so that it's not just me constantly putting it out there. Hey, go do. There's so many different people who have so many different types of passions, backgrounds, where they came from, what is it that they're doing. You know, you can fit in any of that. We're no, you're not different than the CEO who's making a couple million, a couple billion a year. You're not different from them. It's just the fact that they're at one point and you're at another. But just as easily, if your mindset were to allow, if you allowed your mindset to say, hey, I can do it. If you allowed yourself to say, you know what, no matter what it is, I'm going to go after it. And I right. really appreciate Nemo for bringing that up, bringing up and giving those examples of, yeah, it's 100% true. And so I really hope that you guys listening take that with you, take that and, you know, internalize it and go after your own dreams. 
Nemo, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I really, really appreciate you. And I hope that everyone listening has a really awesome day. And please be sure to continue tuning in to Amber X.